Good afternoon, podcast listeners. This is Rob Plouffe. Welcome back to Mid-Michigan Bowling News, the podcast for bowlers in the greater Flint area and the state of Michigan. Okay, welcome to podcast number 20 on Mid-Michigan Bowling News, uh, bowling news for the greater Flint area. It is August 19th, 2020, and amazingly enough, the bowling alleys in the greater Flint area and the Detroit area are still closed due to the coronavirus and the national pandemic. Um, it is getting to the point now that uh, it's getting pretty scary for some of these bowling centers across the state um, because people are actually starting to drive to Ohio and Indiana and Illinois and Wisconsin to go bowling tournaments. There are currently 46 states across the United States that uh, bowling alleys are open in. Uh, unfortunately, Michigan is one of the four that there is no bowling, at least in the uh, lower half of the peninsula, the lower peninsula. So um, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, the coronavirus, and then I want to touch on the Greater Flint Youth Hall of Fame tonight. Um, this podcast will not feature any um, interviews I don't have any special guests today. I'm working on it. Um, I've gotten some great ideas. Uh, went to a wedding reception last week and ran into some some friends, some bowling friends who said, we love the podcast, keep doing them. It's a great idea. The guests that you've had on are awesome. Um, and they gave me some ideas of some people to ask. And I have asked uh, some people, and they will be joining me here in the future as soon as uh, time will allow it. So, um, again, the bowling alley has been closed since mid-March. This is the time of year where we should have already been practicing for a month or more. We usually started high school practices after the 4th of July, um, usually the first weekend in August like August 7th, 8th, 9th, we were doing our bowling camp and we have been un unable to do that this year. So it is August 20th and there is no end in sight to this. Although our governor said that uh, next week she was going to make an announcement of uh, possibly some other things opening because um, movie theaters are still closed, gyms are closed, bowling alleys are closed. It's just... Uh, this is just going to be devastating to the sport of bowling. I'm, I'm afraid to think of what it's going to do um, because things are definitely going to change based on the uh, national pandemic. So um, I know that I have some friends who own some bowling centers and I've heard some talk of some people who know for a fact that there are some bowling centers in uh, the greater mid-Michigan area that are they're, they're in trouble. They're going to be in trouble even when they are allowed to open because it sounds like the rules will be uh, you can be at 50% capacity. And uh, if you know how bowling leagues and bowling centers work, 50% uh, capacity, you might be able to pay your bills, but you're not going to make any money. And uh, these government loans that they're handing out, uh, they're, not going to, they're not going to get it. I'm a business owner. I put in for those government loans. They're enough to pay your employees and uh, stay afloat just enough to uh, keep the doors open for a few weeks. 
um, but this has been going on for months. So um, we need our bowling centers open. Uh, back uh, last Wednesday, August 11th, August 12th, they, uh, they had a march at the Capitol in Lansing of um, all of the bowling proprietors across the state. They filed a lawsuit against uh, our governor, Gretchen Whitmer, to uh, allow them to reopen the bowling centers. Um, last I knew, she has until September 2nd to respond to that lawsuit and make a decision on uh, what they're going to do with bowling centers. But um, there has been a lot of talk about high school sports, high school bowling. Um, fall sports have begun. They had tryouts for volleyball, swimming, um, I think even cross country. There are some sports that are going to try to go ahead and and go. Uh, it looked like bowling was going to be one of, I'm sorry, football. Uh, it looked like football was going to be one of the sports that was uh, going to go. They started their first practice, and the next day the MHSAA came out with an announcement that they were canceling high school football for the fall, and they were going to try to move it to the spring and have a football season in the spring, which uh, is not going to be the same. It's not the same time of year. Um, it's, it's definitely going to be way, way different, even if they're able to do it in the spring. And uh, I've read a few articles that they're talking about instead of high schools having nine games, they may only have six because of the time frame that they're going to be trying to play high school football, which they're talking the first of March starting practice for high school football and starting the season like mid-March and trying to be done by end of April, 1st of May with football. Um, it's definitely going to mess up uh, high school baseball because I know there's a lot of kids who play football and also play baseball, so they're going to have to make a choice in the spring on what to do. Um, although some people say, oh, no, they, they won't because most of the time baseball doesn't start till mid-April and football will be wrapping up, but it's going to be very, very difficult. This, uh, this whole pandemic is, is playing. It's messing with the sport of bowling for sure, but not just bowling. It's all sports. And uh, the news is saying that the MHSAA is kind of holding off on announcing the start of the sports that they're going to allow to play, such as volleyball, and they're going to leave that decision up to the governor. So as soon as she comes out and makes an announcement, we'll know a little more about high school sports. But what I can tell you is the MHSIBCA had a meeting uh, roughly two weeks ago now to try to discuss how the season was going to go, what was going to happen, and uh, a few tidbits from the meeting that I can tell you. Um, Cody Inglis from the MHSAA was invited to the meeting, but um, he was unable to attend. I, I'm not sure if he called in or uh, sent this message to the board for the MHSIBCA, but he basically told them, quit worrying about the state finals and regionals and worry about what's right in front of you right now. Try to figure out if you can start practicing you can have tryouts, and you can even bowl a conference match. Figure that out first before 
you start complaining that you can't bowl in a tournament and you might not have regionals and you might not have state finals. So um, basically what he's saying is worry about it from week to week. Make sure that you can make it through practices without uh, spreading a virus, with keeping kids safe, and then let's worry about doing matches uh, against other schools before you worry about anything else. So they're definitely recommending no tournaments uh, because they don't want the bowling alleys full the way they normally are. They're, they're um, recommending that your matches be uh, just the schools that are bowling against each other in the bowling alley, not the uh, jamboree-style matches that the greater Flint area is used to. Um, although that could change, I guess, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens once the season gets here, but there is also discussion right now about delaying the start of the season until January and uh, being done with it by the end of February. And there's also discussion of starting the season early, like 1st of November, and trying to be done mid-February um, to allow some of these fall sports that are unable to play to um, play in the spring, such as football. So because football can't go, football won't be playing the 1st of November like they normally would in playoffs. So they could actually start some winter sports early, get them done, and allow some of those fall sports to play in the spring. We'll see how that all goes. Um, it's a long way to go. It's still August, but um, things are not, uh, they're not playing out the way that people had hoped. Um, schools are already backing off on plans to send kids to school. The... I know for a fact our district, Kersley, was planning on doing a part-time two days a week in the school and three days online. And uh, there is still discussion going on on whether or not that's going to happen. So um, most of the schools in our area have already backed away from that. Uh, Grand Blank, for one, has decided to go all, all online for at least the first uh, marking period of school, so at least until the end of October, 1st of November, uh, it's going to be all online. So things are things are definitely in flux. Uh, they're constantly changing from day to day. You hear something different. But I can tell you this, uh, the sport of bowling and bowling centers is going to be way different in 2020 and 2021. So some of the discussion from the USBC is that uh, they have changed their rules for this year to allow competitions to happen on um, different pairs of lanes. So, for example, uh, my team may go in and bowl on lanes one and two, and the team that I'm bowling against might bowl on uh, five and six to make sure that we're social distanced and um, we're not with our competition and at the end of the day what they would do is is match up the numbers and uh, whoever's got the higher numbers would win although they're not bowling on the same conditions on the same lanes so that is part of the change that the USBC is doing to allow for social distancing for the coronavirus um, there there are also discussions um, I've heard this more than once that there are some houses uh, this may even be uh, in Ohio that are planning to do this in a traditional six o'clock league 
say there's there's uh, 18 teams that bowl in the league, nine of those teams would be scheduled to bowl at 5:30. And when they finish with their three uh, traditional games of bowling against no one on their pair of lanes, the team that they're go going to bowl against would would follow them, would come into the bowling alley at, say, uh, 7.30, 8 o'clock, and bowl their three games, and then match the scores up. Um, some of the arguments there are, well, how's that fair? Uh, because the team that bowls at 5.30 is going to burn the lanes up. The team that comes in at 8 o'clock is going to have to bowl on the burn. But if you schedule it properly, then next week the team that had to bowl on the burn would get to bowl early at 5.30, and you would flip-flop. So... Ultimately, by the end of the year, uh, everyone would basically bowl in the same conditions. Uh, definitely wouldn't be the same as bowling at the same time, but it would be a little more fair as far as bowling under the same conditions because basically it would be by the time you're done with the season. Um, that makes bowling in a, in a league very, very difficult as far as I'm concerned. Um, I'm thinking about my my work league. We had uh, it's a trio league. We had 16 teams in there, so we had 48 people bowling. And I'm gonna guess out of those 48 people, um, m maybe 15 or 20 of them might not go back and bowl because they're scared of the virus spreading while you're at the bowling alley. So if we lose five or six teams out of a out of a 16-team league, now you've only got 10, 10, 10 or 12 teams maybe bowling in this league. Um, obviously cuts down on profits for the bowling alley, but it also hurts the league. And then if you have to bowl every other lane or every other pair of lanes, um, that competition, that fun of hanging out with people that you work with or your friends, that goes away because you're not doing that. And that's going to really turn a lot of people off from the sport of bowling. So hopefully, hopefully somehow, some way things turn around quickly and people can get back to bowling and we can get back to the traditional leagues. But I'm afraid this is really, really going to hurt the sport of bowling. And uh, USBC didn't do any favors be because they changed the rules effective August 1st. Um, there is... No more weight holes allowed in bowling balls, which will um, tame down some of the hook for some people. So scores will will come down a little, um, which I think is what they're looking for. They're looking to try to bring things back in line for some people, uh, people who really turn the ball or are able to hook the ball more than others. Um, we'll have to find different ways to carry strikes because the ball's not going to hook as much. Um, again, not helping out the sport at all. But it is what it is. Bowling has survived a lot through the years. We've lost a ton of bowlers, especially in uh, the mid-Michigan area, and we've still managed to survive. High school bowling has been incredible in this area, and uh, I don't see that going away. I think the high school bowling will continue to be very, 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 very good for the youth in our area. Um, that leads me into the next discussion that I want to talk about, enough of the coronavirus. Let's talk about the Greater Flynn Area Youth Hall of Fame. 
Um, traditionally, no. Uh, for the last uh, 10 years at least that I have been helping with the Greater Flint Youth Hall of Fame, we have taking, taken uh, nominations from the 1st of September-ish to uh, December 31st. And usually early January, I will send out um, applications to those people who are nominated. And those applications need to be filled out and returned by mid-March. This year was uh, somewhere around March 20th, I think it was, that the paperwork had to be returned in. Um, at that time, we take all of the applications that were turned in. We take all the names off of them. I type them up on uh, separate spreadsheets. Each application is given a number. And then we sit down with an independent committee. We hand them the applications they go through and this independent committee would decide who, if any, would be elected into the Hall of Fame, Greater Flint Area Youth Hall of Fame. So this year, I had roughly 20 applications that I sent out. Um, literally only three or four new nominations. So most of those were carryovers from the last few years because we carry them for three years. Um, I actually received one, one brand new application and one that was a, a repeat of a nomination that was um, upgraded, we'll say. So um, only two people actually redid or submitted new applications this year. And unfortunately, uh, the carryovers are dropping off through the years, and we haven't had many nominations. So I only had seven. I believe it was seven total applications that were returned from three years out and one new one from this year. So six from previous years, one new one from this year. So I had seven applications that I took and took the names off and put the numbers on. All of this, while the coronavirus hit, we couldn't get together with an independent committee. Um, the Greater Flint Area Youth Bowling decided to cancel the banquet this year, which is usually in June. So usually this um, is finalized by the end of April, the 1st of May. We contact the people, we get them tickets to the banquet, they invite their family, they're able to come to the banquet, give a speech, they get a nice award that's donated from A-Frame Awards. It's a, it's a pretty nice uh, accomplishment. Uh, lots of kids look forward to it. And it is a, a really, really cool thing that we do here in the Greater Flint area. Each person who is elected to the Hall of Fame receives a $250 scholarship. That is uh, money that is placed in into their uh, smart account that they can use for college anywhere that they want. Um, so, long story short, we waited until uh, it was just a, the 1st of August, like August 7th, we sat down with an independent committee. They went through the applications and they determined that there were three applications that were worthy of the Hall of Fame. And I am going to announce who those are right now. And oh, by the way, this is available on greaterflintyouthbowling.com. It is the uh, website that Linda Becklick ran for... Greater Flint Youth Association for many years now.
which uh, has a lot of information on it if you're interested. So um, in alphabetical order, I'll go through who the three new members of the Greater Flint Youth Hall of Fame are. Um, first off, Brandon Kreiner, who was a Davison graduate. Uh, I believe he currently bowls for Olivet. He is going into his second year of college. Um, some of the accomplishments of Brandon during his youth career here in Greater Flint. In 2015, he earned three merit awards. He was a city tournament champion five times in multiple events, including the city doubles. He was named to the All-City team twice. Um, he won an Eagle Award by taking first place in the 2015 Youth Open Championship in the U15 division. Uh, he qualified for the state individual finals all four years of high school. His team qualified for the state finals all four years of high school, and his team finished as the state runner-up in 2018. 2017, he was named first team All-State by the MHSIBCA, and in 2018, he was named to the D Detroit Free Press Dream Team. He competed in junior gold 2015 through 2019, highest finish 25th. His uh, highest career average was 213, his highest series 782, and his highest game was a 299. Um, Brandon, if you know Brandon, he's a talker. Um, he's a great kid, and he definitely deserved this honor. Um, some of his other uh, highlights here is he uh, wrote down that his service to bowling was um, how he gave back to the younger kids. He liked to uh, work at back-to-school events at Davison, and he liked to talk to the younger kids on uh, how to improve their game, how to read lanes, and uh, give them a little better understanding of the sport. He, uh, he spent a lot of time working with younger students that were entering the high school bowling program. And again, Brandon was definitely deserving of this honor. Um, next up, Alexis Roof, someone near and dear to me. This is someone who uh, I will actually claim as one of my daughters. Um, I've known this girl since she was born. Um, she's a former Kersley High School bowler, and she is one of only three girls in the history of Kersley High School in any sport to win four state titles during their high school career. That's a pretty special honor. Um, some of her highlights on her resume were she was named to the All-City team in 2008-2009, in 2010, she was the captain of the All-City team and was also named the All-City team in 2011 and 2012. Um, 2010, she won the city tournament all events. In 2010, she also finished third place for grade scholarship um, in high school bowling. 2016, she was the Metro Conference she was part of the Metro Conference Team Championship. Um, 2016, the high school team won the state title. In 2017, the team also won the Metro Conference Championship, and they won the regionals in 2017. And in 2017, she finished in second place in regional singles. 
And in 2017, her team also won the state title. In 2017, she was named first team All-State by the MHSIBCA. In 2018, uh, her team won the, reg or the Metro Conference Championship again, and they also won the regional title, and her team won the state title in 2018. And also in 2018, Alexis finished third in regional singles. 2019 was her senior year in high school. Her team won the Metro Conference Championship again and again won the regional championship and again repeated as state champions. Again, she was one of only three athletes to ever win four state titles during her high school career. Her career high average was 216, her high series was 680, and her high game was 299. Um, another girl who was very, very dis deserving of this honor, Alexis Roof. And last but not least, the last person chosen for this year's Hall of Fame class was Justice Scheel. Justice is a former high school bowler at Lapeer East High School, which uh, is no longer open because Lapeer East, Lapeer West uh, combined they're now known as the Lapeer Lightning, but um, when Justice graduated in 2012, um, she was a member of the Lapeer East High School team. Uh, some accomplishments of Justice. Justice was the very first female youth bowler to ever bowl a 300 game at Gerlax Bowling Center. Long before Gerlax put in all the new lanes, Justice did this. That was back in 2011. Uh, that is quite an accomplishment. If you've ever bowled out at Gerlax back in the day, you understand why no one ever bowled a 300 game. She's the very first youth bowler to ever do it, boy or girl. Um, 2010, 2011, 2012, Justice qualified for the state finals in singles for the MHSAA. In 2012, Justice won the regional singles title up in Saginaw. She was named to the All-City First Team she has also been named second team and third team to all city for the Greater Flint area. She won the Greater Flint Youth City Singles title, and she's also won the Youth City Doubles twice. Um, Justice's career highs, she had a career high 190 average, a high series of 701, and her high game was the 300 game that she bowled at Gerlax. Um, I didn't get that. Some final thoughts uh, about the Greater Flint Area Youth Hall of Fame. Um, although the coronavirus stopped the banquet and stopped us from recognizing these kids in person, we were not going to allow it to stop us from naming some new members of this year's class. They are still going to get their $250 scholarship. Um, they all three deserved to be named to the Greater Flint Youth Hall of Fame, and we will recognize them at the banquet next year in 2021. Uh, so congratulations to those three individuals who will be, whose names will be associated with the Greater Flint Youth Hall of Fame forever and ever. Um, little side note to the youth banquet, for those who do not know this yet or have not heard um, Linda Becklick, who has been the director of the Greater Flint Area Youth Bowling, 
uh, retired from her position effective August 1st, 2020. So um, Linda was basically the person behind Greater Flint Youth Bowling for literally almost 50 years. Um, she has done so much for Greater Flint Youth and um, you just can't say enough good things about what Linda's done for, for youth bowling in the mid-Michigan area, Greater Flint area. Um, but side note, because Linda has retired, I believe that the Greater Flint Youth will be rolled in under the Greater Flint USBC. So the Greater Flint USBC will be taking care of men, women, and youth now, as it is in most areas in, across the United States. Um, but what that might mean is they may not have a youth-only banquet. It may be rolled in with the adults, and uh, I, I'm not sure how that's going to play out in 2021. We'll have to wait and see. But wherever that banquet may be, these three individuals will definitely be a part of that, including whoever will be inducted next year in 2021. So... Um, I pretty much covered what I wanted to cover today. Um, I do have a couple of other, uh, guests lined up for a future podcast that I will do. Um, I don't, I won't let the cat out of the bag, but I will tell you, uh, I will have Jim Tuber back. I will have Bob Tubbs back. Um, those guys have a lot of bowling knowledge that it's great to get out to people so that they understand. And, uh, you even learn some things like uh, when I had Jim Tuber on the show I I did not know that Al didn't help him with Richfield um, like I thought he did and uh, he got his start in bowling on his own so uh, those are great stories great info um, they can correct some of my mistakes and you never know what you're gonna what you're gonna run into um, Went to a graduation party last last weekend, ran into some old friends um, and their parents, and they started talking about the good old days bowling in downtown Flint at the Haskell Center and how they had pin boys setting the pins up manually. Um, I was trying to get some info out of them, like, where was that bowling alley at? Is it, it was across from the where the Capitol Theater is now in downtown Flint, which uh, the buildings are gone, so those bowling alleys are no longer there, but... They were talking about there being six lanes inside of um, possibly even the IMA in downtown Flint. There was some rumors of some bowling lanes being in there. But anyways, you find out information through the years that you that you didn't know. So hopefully um, these podcasts, you can um, learn some of that information. So um, that's about it for tonight. It is... August 19th, and I'm going to wrap this one up. Um, Check back in here in the next few weeks. I'm going to have some special guests join me. Have a good night. Bye.